As we start, though, Paul David Tripp, in a sermon that he preached back in 2010, mused that it is important to not start a story in the middle. Right? I agree. If you were to pick up your favorite novel and turn to the middle, like my kids do sometimes, because they want to see what happens, uh, you would miss a significant aspect of what this story is. If you start with Jesus in a manger, you've missed the reason Jesus came in a manger. To live those 33 years and to walk that road to the cross and die for your sin and for mine. If we start in the manger, we've missed the beginning of the story. Think about it. Henry Nouwen said, and this will be on the screen for you so you can read it with me, the Lord is coming. You heard it in the video. Always coming. He's always coming. When you have ears to hear and eyes to see, you will recognize him at any moment of your life. Because life itself is Advent. If you are a follower of Jesus, life is Advent. You have hope. Not because of what you can accomplish in the here and the now. Not because of what you can manufacture, but because of the fact that Jesus is coming again. And so he says life is recognizing the coming of the Lord. You see that separates so much of life. The wheat from the chaff, right? Because if your life is not about recognizing the coming of the Lord, life very quickly becomes only about you. And the least happy people on this earth, the people with the least amount of joy, and I say this in great love (laughs) because I struggle with it, the least joyful people on this earth are the people who are selfish. And I say that with all the love my pastoral shepherding heart can muster. Because I'm really selfish. And if we were going to make a confession as we step into Advent, it could just simply be that for the most part, we're pretty selfish people. And I don't say that as like a downer as you get into Advent this year, but just simply as a confession that When we step into Advent and we step into thinking about Jesus coming to earth, right? And we think about the scripture in Philippians that says that Jesus did not count his godhood, his deity, as something to be grasped for himself. But he stepped out of the splendors of heaven to come for you and for me. We see a completely different reality, a completely different picture of what love looks like. And so... For that, we have to go back because Advent, though it is a season on the church calendar and has been for a very long time, it's more than that. Advent is the culmination of expectation. Advent is the realization that Jesus did come, that he was a real person rooted in real history. And he really did go And die on the cross and he will come again. But to begin at Jesus coming to earth as a baby would be to skip the beginning of the story. 
We have to go back even farther to begin to awaken the wonder of Emmanuel, God with us. We have to go back and answer the question, why? Why did he even need to come anyway? Why did Jesus come to earth as a baby? It's a critical part of the story. And so the story then begins with creation, begins with where we came from. It begins at the literal beginning. That's what Genesis means. It means beginning. We believe that God created the heavens and the earth. Not only do we have the audacity to believe that God created the heavens and the earth, we also have the audacity in the 21st century to believe that science not only uh, does not combat that, but actually confirms that. God created the heavens and the earth. And what's so beautiful about the beginning of our story as humanity is that the culmination, the crowning achievement of God's perfect creation was humanity. Look at first uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and following. It'll be on the screen for you. And listen to what God has to say about humanity. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the In the silence of a midwinter dusk, there is a sound so faint that for all you can tell, it may be only the sound of the silence God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him. Male and female. He created them. And then listen to this. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over all other things that he has created. And so the thing that is different in our story is that God created the heavens and the earth, but then when he created man and woman, he blessed them over the rest of creation. This impacts every decision that you make as a human being. Because if every man and woman is created by God and is blessed by God, every single human being you encounter no matter how far from God or how close to God or whether they believe in God or whether they have changed, whether they are male or female, whatever the issue is that you encounter with any other human, it literally does not change the fact that God created them and blessed them and therefore they have a value inside of them that ought to shape the way you and I look at every person we encounter. Every single person. Easier said than done. Easier said than done. But So humanity in that moment is born and it begins to do that. It begins to multiply and fill the earth and cultivate the earth. It begins to do what we were created 
to do. And so Adam and Eve begin to live and cultivate the earth. And I was reading this week that there's a lot of people in the Christian movement that, that are moving towards this idea that Adam and Eve were not real people, that they were figurative. I, I couldn't disagree any more. Like, yeah, I'm going to leave it there. They were real. Because they were real affects our story. The fact that they lived and struggled and had to cultivate the earth just like you and I. We're connected to that because of what happens next. But I want, I want to point out something interesting here that when Adam and Eve were created and humanity was born, that they were not born amongst themselves. Right from the very beginning of our story as human beings, God was in relationship with his people. That they did in fact have a Lord. And we major on that here because that, that is reality. That you are not God. I am not God. God is God. And that sounds simple. But in reality, we have a fundamental problem as human beings in that we want to be our own God. I do. Every day of my life. <laughs> That's something I have to wrestle back to the ground. And I lose a lot on that. But the reality is, is that we have this critical problem. And yet, it wasn't just that God was their Lord. You see, this is what's different about the story. It's that God, even as Lord, wanted to be in and desired a relationship with them. Within that relationship that he asked for, for their own good, that they not eat of one tree. Right? That's the beginning of our story. That they had a God who loved them, had given them everything in the earth. Think about what the creation story said. That God blessed them and put them in the earth and said, fill it, multiply it, subdue it, cultivate it. It's all yours. I just asked one thing, right? Because something had to make him God. Something had to separate, create the distance that was only correct. And help us understand that. He said, there's one tree that if you'll trust me, you shouldn't eat from it. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so when Satan comes to Eve, what is the lie that he tells her? The lie was not, I'm cutting you off in case you're going to give the wrong answer. The lie was not that they could be like God. That was not the lie. The lie was the result of what eating that fruit and becoming like God would be. You see, because eating that fruit did not produce deity, right? It produced what? The knowledge of good and evil. You see, prior to that, it was just God's problem. But we call it the fall of man because we fell into that problem. What was not part of our problem... Because we had a good God who loved us and cared for us and protected us and provided and did everything we could possibly need and blessed us. We fell into that problem and so thus began 
this problem, this in the storyline, a tragic turn. And if you just jump over to Genesis chapter 3, we hear the result of that tragic turn. Look at Genesis 3 verse 9. It'll be on the screen for you. And they heard the sound. So this is Adam and Eve after they sinned. And there was suddenly some realizations that happened because they had the knowledge of good and evil. And so listen to their interaction with God. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. They never needed to do that before. And suddenly there was guilt that told them, God's here, we need to hide. And that is the lie that Satan has told. That when God shows up, we need to hide. You don't need to hide. Listen to what happens. Verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid. Because I was naked. And I hid myself. Look at verse 11. And God said, Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And then you got to love this part of the story. You just blame it on your wife. You know what I'm saying? The man said, it's the woman who you gave to me. She gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. I mean, come on, Lord. What am I supposed to do? If, you, if my wife walks in with some good food, I'm going to eat it. Right? That was a lame excuse, wasn't it? He knew what that was. The woman said, so God turns to the woman and what have you done? The woman said, it was the serpent that deceived me and I ate. And then I want you to look at verse 14 because this is where the story presents really what's happening as Jesus comes to earth as a baby. Look at what it says in verse 14. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, so he's speaking to Satan now. And remember, Satan didn't start as Satan. Satan began his creation as Lucifer. He was a worship leader in heaven. He was an angel, and he had the same fundamental problem, that he wanted to be God. And so he gets kicked out of heaven, and he becomes the prince of the power of the air of this life. And so look at what happens. Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And listen to this. He shall bruise your head. Who is the offspring of the woman? Jesus. He will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. This is the cosmic battle of good and evil. It began here. That God and Satan would begin this wrestling match for the rest of human existence. This is why, despite all of our progress in life, all, you know, we've got these things which, you know, could power a spaceship to the moon, right? And they've come so far and yet we've come nowhere, right? Like for all of the progress 
We've accomplished literally nothing in human relations. The world's HR is terrible. Right? I mean, just yesterday, people were committing crime. Can you believe that? On Thursday, they were committing crime all across the country. People were dying all around the world. On Thanksgiving, can you believe that? Can you believe that the whole world doesn't celebrate Thanksgiving like Americans? I mean, come on. It's America. I joke. Why? Because not everybody feels about America like we feel about ourselves. Right? The fundamental problem. Right? I'm selfish. So are you. And so this part of the story is so critical because the story continues in this cosmic battle of good and evil because we live with that bruised heel. Think about it. Every day you live with that bruised heel because Satan is the prince of the power of this world. Think about what St. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5.8. Put that on the screen for you too. That our adversary, the devil walks around seeking whom he can devour. So every day of your life, you have this adversary in your life lying to you about all the things that you think are good and that God thinks are bad. Think about it. Just think about the issues that are in our day right now. The, the big ones. About gender, about you know all the things, right? I don't, my goal is not to list all the things, because you know all the things. Right? It's that what, what God's created, Satan has a counterfeit for every one of them. He says, no, 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 that what God blessed and said was good is not actually good. You, need to, you just need to tweak it a little bit over to this. But that's a lie. What you need and what Advent brings us back to is what is our hope. It is not in other men. And women. If that was the case, surely after all these years, we would have elected a really good president. We're not doing so great. Why? Because they're men. They're humans who struggle with the same fundamental problem that you and I struggle with. And so sin left Adam and Eve realizing they were naked and exposed. And so as we come to Advent, I think the first word that I want you to sit with as we step into Advent is this word vulnerability. That the beginning of Advent is us realizing how vulnerable we are. That we're actually like Adam and Eve, apart from Christ, we're naked and afraid. We're exposed. Sin leaves us ashamed and broken. Our world is broken. And you can look at any one of a million examples for that. So just as Adam and Eve began a long line of humanity with expectation, waiting for the God-man Jesus to come and make things right, we long for the day. That he'll come and make all things new. I love what 
Scott Erickson says about our vulnerability. I want you to look at this quote on the screen, and it's, it's a long one. But here's what, it, here's what he says, and I think it's really pertinent for us. It says, any real connection, talking about relationships, any real connection involves vulnerability. Whether in marriage or friendship or even with a stranger, a relationship can progress only so far on the normal platitudes of strength and accomplishment. can only get so far talking about how awesome we are. It's only when we have exhausted our tales of trophy winning, when we let down our guards and speak to the truths about our travels, our struggles, that we find that where we really connect as humans is in the places we have found that we walk with a limp. It's our vulnerability that connects us as humans. It's the fact that if you and I were substituted for Adam and Eve, we would have made the same poor choice. Because we're not God. We are all in need of God. Listen, I don't know where you're at in life right now. But what I do know is that every single one of us walked in here today as a sinner. And that it's our vulnerability. It's the fact that we're exposed. It's the fact that we come naked and ashamed to the foot of the cross. That answers the question, why? Why did Jesus come as a baby? Because we are vulnerable. The Bible says that we're dead in our sin. And without a Savior, we have no hope. This candle burns to remind us that we do have hope. It sits on a wreath that doesn't end because eternity never ends. And the reality is that in Christ we have hope for all of eternity. That this cosmic battle isn't the end of the story. Our common limp leads us to Jesus. It leads us to a Savior. Our common limp brings us to Advent together with great expectation that the one that came as the sacrifice for our sins and went to the cross is the same one who will come back again as King and make all things new. That's our hope this Advent season. So our hope Our satisfaction, our happiness isn't found in a change of scenery. It isn't found in a week off. It isn't found in the accumulation of more stuff that we're not going to use next year. It's found in a loving God that we love with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and all of our strength. And it's found in loving our neighbor as ourself. 
But here's the deal. Only Jesus can make that possible. Only Jesus can make that reality. And so I want to close with these words that St. John wrote in his gospel. In John chapter 1, starting in verse 9. And you might just want to close your eyes and listen. Because it's the beauty of what this season is. Here's what the Bible says about this Jesus, about this Savior who has come. It says this, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and yet the world did not know Him. He came to His own. He came to His own. And his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and truth as we finish I can't help but ask you the question of where you're at as we step into this Advent season. But here's what I do know, is that you did not walk into these doors today by accident. We don't believe in accidents. This is a divine appointment. If you're watching online, I believe that is a divine appointment that you are within the sound of my voice, but better yet, His Word. And so for every one of us, we have this decision to make as we begin Advent together. Will you be the Lord of your life or will Jesus be the Lord of your life? And whether you've been walking with Jesus for 50 years or whether you've never walked with Jesus or maybe you were baptized and You've never really stepped into the reality of that. No matter where you are, the beauty of the gospel is that we all have a common lip and we all need the same Savior. So I want to pray for you and if Jerome or myself or Kevin or one of our elders can pray with you or help you as you begin this Advent, we would love to do that. To walk you personally to Jesus. Let me pray. God, thank you.